In a world that tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job, end your relationship, start a new one, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist this so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. Well, I'm here to change that. Join me and my guest every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Hello, everybody. Uh, this week, I have who I call my wifey, so I'm going to explain this, <laughs> but she's one of my best friends, and um, her name is Juliana Montano. She's a visual content producer. That's kind of how we met. We actually matched on Instagram by the hashtag divorce, and funny enough, all the best things in my life have come through my work with Divorce for Love. And she's one of those people that I found on Instagram. We connected. Uh, she ended up coming to Maui to be my visual content producer. And we went from her being my videographer and photographer to us being inseparable. We've already been in Bali creating new programs for our other business called Body, Mind and Biz. And she's still supporting me with my mission. I'm seeing her flourish in her business, in life. And we got to get closer and closer with every trip with every connection that we, we, we made. And there was a moment when she started telling me about her past and I was like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> the woman that you see today, you will not believe what she's gone through and the energy, the beauty, the radiance that it's her. And yet there is a lot of darkness in her life that I was like, people need to see this, okay? People need to see how you can go from victim to victor and all the steps that you took along the way. So I'm here to introduce you, Jules, and please, Jules, tell us your story, all the chapters, and how you made it through all of it. I'm so excited. And yes, you are my wifey, my one and only. <laughs> I love it. Um, so my journey starts, I, I like to say that it starts from when I was a kid. As I studied later about inner work, I learned about imprint years. So back, like when I was starting to kind of struggle, I didn't realize that. So I started to go back to my childhood and I realized, wow, there were a lot of things that I went through that really affected me and the way that I see relationships specifically with men. And I have wonderful relationships with women. I have no problem with that, but my relationships with men have always been kind of a struggle because I've never had worth within myself and I seek validation from men. So when I went back, what I realized was in my childhood, some of the big things that I experienced was being born from a mother who's an immigrant. Um, I was born on pretty much like living sort of on the streets in low income situations, hopping around. My mom was a single mom. She had, you know, me and my older sister and she, she had come from Mexico and I mean, these aren't memories that I have, but this is the imprint. This is the effect that I had. And I remember my older sister telling me the story of when I was a little baby, I think it was within that one year range, two things that happened, two major things. One, my dad, my real dad had kidnapped me and um, I don't know, obviously what happened. And then my mom got me back. So that was one trauma that, you know, I was already exposed to. Number two, apparently there was a man who was jealous of something had happened. And the woman, the girlfriend of the man came to my mom's apartment, grabbed her and basically just 
beat the shit out of her in front of me and my sister. And my sister tells me the story that I just grabbed you because my mom said, grab Juliana, make sure she's protected and just make sure that she doesn't hurt you. And my sister was like, it was so traumatizing as a little kid to watch your mom just get beat up. And so I'm already like thinking like, wow, like these are the stories that I grew up with. Um, my mom got married or met a man who was a refugee from Iraq when I was, I believe like two or something, and he became our father. So he's my dad now and wonderful provider, but not emotionally available by any means. And I love him and I respect him, but I don't think he was really, truly fit to be like emotionally available as a dad. And so now I have this real dad who's sort of still in my life until from that age until 15, because my mom never really like told me I couldn't see him. She allowed me to have my own relationship with him. And then I have my dad, who I'm my stepdad, who I'm being raised by, who is just angry at the world because, you know, he grew up in Iraq, war, came here as a refugee at 17. And I just feel like he didn't know how to like, how to show love. So all we got was discipline. Like that's what, how he was raised. And I, when you go back, I realized like, oh, okay. The reason I could forgive my parents is because their imprint years were so bad. And so like, when I think about what he's been through and how he was raised, like poor guy, no wonder he wasn't fit to be like a parent. He never did the work. And this work is kind of a new concept. You know, the generations before us, they didn't know about this stuff. My mom being raised the way she was in, in difficult situations, being pregnant at 17 by somebody she was kind of just like unsure about and didn't really know about birth control, nothing coming to America and like knowing no one, knowing no English and then meeting my dad who just beat her and then she had to leave him. It's like, wow, their lives are so bad. Like I, it's, it's hard to like be mad at them for how they raised us. And so I have a lot of love and forgiveness for them. So I never talk about them. And when I talk about them, I never want to make it sound like, yeah, I got so unlucky. I have horrible parents because I love them to this day. I forgive them because I know that they knew no better. But as my story continues, um, I was sexually molested at five um, until eight by my real dad's best friend. And I didn't tell anybody, I, you know, and then my real dad is just so just, he's kind of abusive in a way that is questionable now, you know, just like the way he like pushed us against walls, the way he called us names and the way that we just never got any credit for anything we did good. It was always like what we could have done better and how we failed at everything, even if we got B's and A's. And then, um, my mom just never really stepped in to defend me in any way. And I just didn't feel protected. My mom obviously didn't know that the guy, that this other person was molesting me. So I give her that credit. You know, it's not like she knew and, you know, it was happening. No one knew. But these are the things that I was exposed to. And I just didn't know what love in a male role model felt like. And so I finally told my mom at eight years old, hey mom, like I remember the scene, like I was in breakfast and I look at the photo of the guy cause they framed a photo of him and his wife. And my mom was also best friends with his wife. And I tell her like, hey mom, why does this guy like just never smile even on his wedding day? And that was the photo I was looking at. And she goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, he's just angry. He's an angry person and he's mean and he does this and this. And my mom was like, what? And she's pulling pieces out. And then all of a sudden I just 
tell her, mom, I just don't like the way he makes me feel. He touches me and he does this. And she just breaks down crying. And that was the first time I really saw my mom protect me and be emotional. She did the right thing. She called the cops, you know, we put him in court. We went through that process. And in the process of court, my real dad still in my life here and there, this is where my relationship with him ended prior to that. Sorry, I don't mean to skip around, but prior to that, um, my real dad was suicidal and attempted to commit suicide in front of me multiple times. And he always blamed me for the reason him killing himself, that I didn't love him enough, that I didn't do this enough and that I wasn't good enough. And I remember just crying as a kid and I didn't tell my mom because I didn't want my mom to like, not let me see my dad. Um, so now I'm probably about, I want to say like 11 or 12, we go to the final court day and I see my real dad. And I just remember being super excited and my dad is like, I'm so sorry, but I'm not here for you because that's his best friend. She go, he says, I think he needs someone because he says he didn't do anything to you and no one believes him and no one's on his side. So I'm here to support him and whatever the truth is will come out. And I remember just thinking like, wow, what a disappointment. Even you failed me at this point. Like, I just don't even know who to trust at this point. And so I... The court happened, never saw my dad. I told my mom what happened. And I said, I don't want to see him ever again. He's just not a good person. And my mom was like, okay, is that your decision? I was like, yeah. And then she tells me all the stories of my real dad and what he had done to her. And I'm like, why did you let me see this person? And she's like, because your relationship with him is different than mine. And I respect my mom for that. But, you know, I revealed mom, did you know he was doing all these things? And she was like, why do you tell me? And I was like, I didn't want you to take him away. So it's funny how much communication is important in a relationship with your parents. We just did not communicate growing up. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the childhood part. At 15, I meet a guy. I'm also raised. Oh, here's the big one. I'm raised as a Jehovah Witness. I forgot that part. <laughs> so I sometimes I like look back and I'm like, did all of that really happen? So I was raised as a Jehovah Witness. So in this whole process of, you know, dad, real dad, guy being molesting me, everything, there's a whole element of a religion that I have to be brought up with. And in this religion, I am told that uh, females are submissive to men, that um, I could not associate outside of the religion. There were a list of rules I had to follow. And if I didn't follow the rules, I would get disfellowship, meaning that I would be shunned away from my family, my friends. So imagine the um, like how that scares someone to like not break a rule um I remember being in high school I couldn't celebrate birthdays I couldn't celebrate holidays so I had no exposure to that world I was the girl that they would you know somebody would have a birthday in her school and at the school and then they would be like calling me into the library it's like you can't celebrate with them your mother already told us you're a Jehovah Witness so we have to respect that and I was like oh gosh I really wanted those sweets I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Like who wants me? And so my value and my worth just goes down and down and down and down. And now I'm 15 and someone in my religion, um, I met him, he was nine years older than me, comes in and just sweeps me off my feet and makes me feel seen, like fully seen. And I had never experienced that. Now I wasn't attracted to him on any sexual level. I wasn't attracted to him even on a physical level, but I felt heard and seen by someone who was a, an adult figure to me for the first time. And I got kind of, 
I don't know how to say, like, I look forward to the phone calls every night. He would call me. We talked for two hours and he'd ask me questions about my life and me. He was empathetic. He was kind. And he just made my wheel spin. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm kind of addicted to this phone call every night. It felt like a pen pal, but the religion, obviously having their rules, tell me that he's my boyfriend. They put us in a room and they're like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, we're talking every day. And they're like, yeah, that's your boyfriend. And I was like, but he's not my boyfriend. I'm not attracted to him, nothing. And they're like, no, no, no. In this religion, we don't do that. A man and a woman do that. That's your religion. And, and you, you know that we only date for marriage. So are you guys planning to get married? And I was like, what? So now I'm kind of feeling this responsibility to be this person's girlfriend. I'm 15. You know, obviously the next step is get married. He's older. So he's definitely, you know, sexual, right? He's a virgin. He wants to have sex. We can't have sex. So obviously the right thing to do is to get engaged at 17, get married at 18 for me. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause when I did it, I had hives. I didn't feel good, but I could, didn't know how to listen to my intuition and it just allowed it to happen. And I still like, don't feel good about the wedding day. I remember the wedding day, not feeling at ease, but I went through with it. And I remember training my mind at that age and telling myself, okay, well, if this is the best that life's going to be, at least he's really nice. Like, at least I'm going to be married to someone who's really nice. That's better than what I had before. So it's not a bad life. It's not a bad life. I remember just like thinking that in my head and in my religion, you can't get divorced. And I had no intentions to have relief because again, we would get shunned and I would lose my family, my friends. And so I was like, this is my life. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, that was, that was kind of like from zero to 18, <laughs> a lot. From zero to 18, you had events that if they happen to one person throughout their entire lifetime, they may have a chance to react to them. But as you said, those were your imprint years. And that basically means that somebody's using you as a, as a punch bag very often unconsciously, but you cannot punch back. You cannot fight back. And that's where I think it's so important what you've done in your later years, which we'll go into now, which is you actually took control of the stories that happened by going there and doing the inner work and rewrite the stories to make them powerful as, as opposed to disempowering. Because yes, at the time you couldn't understand, you couldn't change, your destiny was being written by you, but now you can take the lessons and the gifts from them and turn them into something beautiful, which is where your life is right now. So please tell us then from 18, which you get married, you do get married in what we call your rice and beans <laughs> wedding. Things wedding. It was a 450 person wedding with no one I knew for ice and beans when we got a loan so that we could do it. So I was in debt. I got into a wedding and got in debt. Exactly. And so you start your adult life, let's call it now, with that. With that, I'm going to start in debt, married to a man that I don't necessarily know if I'm supposed to be married to. And you stayed in that marriage until? So... <laughs> So I built a business. Luckily, I got really lucky with that. Um, the person that I married was extremely creative and had a way of thinking that in, I don't look at my life as regrets. So like, Hey, it worked out. Like, look where I'm at today. Um, I think my work ethics definitely built my business, his creative mind, his thoughts and his ideas and my work ethics and action built this business. Um, once he got my, my, my wheel spinning, I was able to make something out of it. So um, at 20, 
27 or 26. So at 26, I'm in Seattle. We had moved from our small town, Modesto, California to Colorado, then to Seattle. And I had this thing where I was working all these jobs and I said, I don't want to work for anyone else. I'm going to build a business. So I was very, very determined. And I was focused. Like I don't have a lot of memories. So from 18 to 26, there's very little memories. The only memories I have is focusing on a business and a goal. And that was it. I had no friends. I had no relationship really with my husband. We, he would, he was addicted to video games and I let him be addicted to video games. And I was addicted to a business and we just did not pay attention to each other. And it just didn't really have like sex, nothing, nothing that you should be having in a marriage. Like just none of it was happening. Um, and at 26, I went to go shoot a wedding in Chicago um, I come back about to edit some photos. I use this laptop. And when I use this laptop, my assistant's actually using this laptop. She opens the laptop. She opens up Lightroom and Lightroom does a backup catalog, which she was unaware of. So it pulls up previews, even if you deleted the files of whatever you were editing. And so he had last thing he had edited was a bunch of photos of a, a woman. And I recognized the house and then she's like, oh, did you do a boudoir shoot? And I was like, I don't do boudoir shoots. What are you talking about? And then she's like, yeah, here. And then she looks at it and I look at it and I'm like, I don't recognize this client. That's super weird. And I'm like, so oblivious. And then I'm like, wait, but that's my couch, but that's my pillow. But that's what's she doing? Is she just slowly taking off her clothes, like in lingerie and down in panties? And I'm like, oh gosh, I look and and this guy's so dumb. He's got a date and a name of the client or of the person. So I have her full name and I know the date that he did it. And I'm just like, wow, what an idiot, but okay. So I was like, it was so weird in my mind when it happened, all I kept thinking, I had a sense of like two feelings. Number one, how dare you as someone who I was so loyal to someone who I was so good to, I gave you a good life. The least you could have done was had a conversation with me and let me know you wanted to exit. Don't cheat on me. Like, don't like, and then also like you cheat on me, you say nothing. So you're just going to, I don't know how long have you been doing this? You know? So I felt like he was just like doing it behind my back, but number, but on a romantic level, I was like, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> just like, at least have a conversation with me. You want an open marriage? We can do that. Just talk to me. I don't know. Um, but I'm number to have a conversation that the preview catalog that you had to watch Jules. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh. And number two, there was a sense of peace. Like, oh, oh yeah, in my religion, I can only exit if he cheats. There's adultery. So if adultery happens, I can get out. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I have a chance. I can get out and I'll be free. And I can know somebody else can marry me, like, right? And so I was like, yes. So I go and I play this really well. I go into the house. I was like, him like, Hey, so did anything happen uh, while I was gone in Chicago? And he's like, no. And I'm like, really? Okay, cool. Like just played it cool. And then I'm like, so really, you didn't have anybody over. You didn't do a job, nothing. And he's just like, no. And he's so good at lying. He's just straight face. Like, no, what are you talking about? No, I'm good. And, and I'm like, I'm so ready. And I like pull the laptop and I open it. And I'm like, what's this? And he's just like, <laughs> he locks himself in a bathroom immediately. And I don't see him for like two hours. He just locked himself in a bathroom. And I'm the one that's like outside the bathroom going, wait, I think I'm the one that's supposed to be breaking down right now. Why are you in the bathroom? Like, what are you? It was so confusing to me. I was like, wow, wow. Okay, well, this, the roles are reversed. So eventually we ended up getting divorced. We worked on it for six months. Um, 
the guy didn't want to change. It wasn't going to work. We, we had some really good adult conversations where we just were like, what did that mean? Okay, let's be honest. We weren't happy. Maybe this is a good thing. And But then we had like comforts and fears and we would stay together because we were each other's best friends. And then we would get, and then we were like, but no, but I don't really like, I want, I, the, I think it was, we were both too curious about what was out there, but we were like, okay, how are we going to do this in an, a way that's healthy? And so we decided a few things. Number one, we decided to leave the religion, which was a big deal for both of us. Um, it, it actually affected him more than maybe it affected me because I feel still felt pretty young, but this is someone who didn't get to go to college. This is someone who this was his whole life until he was like, he was in his mid thirties at that time. So he felt like he was robbed of a lot. And he was like, okay, I feel robbed where I felt excited. I was like, Ooh, I get a chance to live my life. <laughs> like it's, it's happening. Um, but we wanted to support each other because we knew we were going to lose a lot. And so we were the only two people that were going through that together. And so we decided to be friends for one year and just to be there as true friends as we date and as we evolve so that because we really did know each other pretty well. So that was kind of like a big step for us. And it was I, I'm really glad that the divorce happened that way because I, I could not imagine just like cutting it, band-aid and being like, fuck you. And then never talking to him again. I was never angry at him. I was just like, okay, this is clearly where we're supposed to be. Because this is a constant in your life. You do not get angry at the situation or the person. You you just try and move forward. And then maybe when the time is right and you can take a breather, you'll go and analyze it. And again, make the best out of it. I mean, I love that you said, oh, great, we're going to use this to get out of the religion, which in your, in your for your life is what made sense. So as you move forward in life, every time that you find an obstacle, do you know what are the things that, is it like an automatic feeling or is it because you think that you've practiced this so many times that you can go look at it and say, okay, these are the steps that I need to take. These are the lessons that I'm going to find. Or is it something that you actively have to bring out from your toolbox, all the techniques? It's such a great question. I've never thought about that, but I just had like an interesting experience. My car got towed on a date and the guy, and I like, was like, eh, when that happens, just pay 200 bucks, no big deal. And the guy looks at me and he's like, I have never been more impressed by someone than you. Why are you so calm? Like, and I was like, well, here's the thing. I can't change it. It's what it is. I can choose how I want to deal with it. The car got towed. Clearly that was my fault. I didn't pay attention to where I park. And he was like, whoa and he's like how do you do that and I was like I don't know it's just things don't piss me off ever I think maybe like somewhere in maybe my imprint years I was like oh that sucks how do you I do think that, that? that you need to, from now on you need to say okay listen to this podcast episode I'll tell you everything that's happened to my life so a 200 dollar fine is the list of my worries and I think that that's something that we can use for people who are going through difficult times is this is training. Um, this, at the time, it may seem like the scariest thing that you have to deal with. I mean, you're talking huge things. You talk religion, almost to the point of being a cult. You've talked abusive relationship. You talk sexual abuse. You've talked divorce. I mean, these are the things that are in, in books cataloged as this could break you down. Places where you can end up in a depression, places where you may end up even suicidal and you have managed to move through them so that now the little things in life, you truly don't sweat them. And once again, people, I want you to go and check out her Instagram, all her, all the videos that she makes. You look at Jules nowadays and you're like, I do not believe that you have this telenovela, this soap opera of a life behind you because this woman focuses on what is good, what is light, what is, what is working for me right now. 
And the past, she's managed to alchemize that and work it to uh, her favor. Like, you know, she just mentioned about, okay, out of my marriage, I was with a creative person. Maybe that's where my entrepreneurial um, gift came from. Maybe that definitely where all your creativity with your photography and videography business came from. So is there any other parts in your life that you go like, hmm, this really right now, as you are also going through a huge change because you just moved from Seattle to Austin and there must be moments where you're like, I'm not feeling it right now. Um, what is the first thing that you're doing? And I know that you're working with coaches right now that are getting your mind, your body in place. So what are the, the places that you go, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. This is what I need to do right away. Yeah, I feel like I got more emotional and more down after. So I don't know if it's like the aftermath. It happened when I was alone. Maybe the whole time I was busy, busy, right? I was busy doing, building a business. I was busy dealing with a husband I didn't really care for. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was busy. And so I didn't have time to think about myself. And for the first time at 27, I'm sitting in a room by myself and I have no friends. I have no religion. I have no support and I have no husband. And I remember just being like, oh, oh, I don't like this. This is scary. And I think that was the first time I started realizing I have problems that I haven't worked through. So I'm never going to say like, oh, I'm super chill and cool. I have a chill personality, but I feel things and I feel them deeply. And when I feel them deeply, I go into depression, sadness. I, I sleep a lot. Um, I cry and I feel like really just down and it affects how I work. It affects every part of me. But in that process, I never gave up. So I built, 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 and I learned how to get out of those faster and faster. Now I feel like I'm at high speed where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling it. What do I need? And I'm like, boop, boop. Um, so those things that I'm doing that are helping me now is um, music. I have a playlist. So I like to listen to loud luxury. I don't know if someone introduced me to it. And ever since then, I'm like, yeah. And I like, you know, put on loud luxury in my ear. And I just like go, I need to dress up because dressing up for some reason makes me feel really good. If I'm like not looking good, I don't feel good. So I'll go do my makeup. I'm pretty simple. You know me, I can do my makeup in five minutes. I just do my makeup. I put on a cute thrifty outfit because all my outfits are cute, but from the thrift store. And I put on, now I have the stargazing. So I have like stargazing lights. I put on the stargazing lights. I set the mood. I'm all about mood setting. And I blast loud luxury on YouTube and I just start dancing. And I just literally let the emotions come out. And I get to a point where I'm just like, yes. And I breathe and I'm like, that's, that's like my form of meditation. Sitting there and like doing the yoga pose and, and like just breathe and breathe in, breathe out. I'm like, I'm so bored. I can't do this. Um, I try, I try to fit in with all the cool yogis, but I'm like, I can't. I need music. I'm too Latino for this shit. That's exactly. Okay. Can we please put that out there? Because I am too Latina for that shit. I don't know what it is, but like, I look at that room and I'm like, that is just a bunch. No, I can't do that. Mm -mm. And I don't have the body for like, okay, well, that's just stupid. I have the body, but I'm like, you know, I like dressing a certain, I like feeling confident. I have this like part of me, my body likes to move. It doesn't like to sit still. So for my energy to come out, I need to move. I need to dance. I need to just be me. And that's authentically being me. And I've had to learn like, that's what makes me feel good. So 
that's probably the biggest one that's been helping me lately. And then obviously I've done so much at this point, I've made all the changes I need to make. You know, I've went from Seattle to Austin because I knew Seattle didn't feel grounded for me. And I could, as much as I tried, I couldn't get there. So I knew I had to change the environment too. And you moved from an environment that didn't work for you and you tried to make it work to an environment that now really flourishes you and makes you feel like, okay, now I'm vibrant and alive. And that's something that I want people to know. You are not a tree. You do not have roots in a place that are so deep that you cannot say, you know what? I'm moving somewhere else. And you moved to Austin without really knowing. You, had you even been there? Like, I think that we just started seeing images of it, people talking about it. I was like, you know what? I'm moving to Austin. <laughs> like, freaking yeah. love it. It was an intuitional feeling like two years ago. I remember going to a brunch with my friends. I had just gotten out of a relationship because I was attached to relationships. Again, my problem was always relationship after relationship after relationship and then feeling validation from them. And I was like, gosh, I'm not like happy within myself. So I just ended a really long-term relationship. I'm sitting at brunch and I'm looking around and I just remember it hit me hard, like an intuitional feeling. And I remember Austin was just like shouting in my, in myself. And I like made, like, I I'm pretty like spontaneous and I'm in the moment. So I was like, fuck it. And I grabbed my drink and I go, guys, I'm here to make an announcement. Everyone's like, okay, here's Jules and her randomness. What's going on today? What are you feeling today? And I was like, I'm moving to Austin. This is my last year. And they were like, and then someone shouts, give her a boyfriend. She'll get over it. And I was like, fuck you. But so true. <laughs> and then I got a boyfriend and I stayed for an extra year. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's a process, people. Don't be deterred by it. Like you did take like a year gap where it was like, uh, but Jules, weren't you supposed to move forward with your intuition with your life? And you were like, yes, but I guess that I have some more unraveling to do here. That was another relationship that taught you so much. So again, let's be compassionate with ourselves. Let's have that patience and understand that this is going to be mishaps it's gonna be redirects oh my gosh let's talk about the latest one that happened with us where we were supposed to go to costa rica together uh, for christmas both right. of us found ourselves at christmas like um i was supposed to spend it with my family and then my ex's new wife was like that's not gonna happen and i did kind of similar to jules i did get a little bit upset for about a minute and then i was like well okay what am i gonna waste my energy for Wifey, plan B, what do we do? And you were also like, yeah, I, I wanna leave Seattle already. I'm ready to go to Austin, but let's have a little break in between. So we work our behinds off for about a month in Maui, creating content. She's finishing up all her projects with her clients. We are just like, okay, we're determined. We're going to Costa Rica. We find this place where we're gonna do our retreat. And then we have friends that we're gonna spend time with. And we get to the day that we are flying to Costa Rica. <laughs> Talk about calm energy here. I get to the airport and the lady's like, so you're not going to Costa Rica? And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, um, yeah, your passport expired. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, there's no way around it. She goes, no. And I was like, expired. And she like told me, well, with COVID, they're not going to like push this. They're not doing fast passport turnarounds anymore. So she's like, there's just no way you're not going. I'm so sorry. And I was like, 
okay. And I like turned around. I was like super calm, but also like bummed. And I messaged you and I'm like, oh God, this is not a joke. This is not, this is a real drill. Like we're, we're really in this. Um, you're going to Costa Rica by yourself. I can't go. And I'm trying to figure out what my next step is. I might need two days to just be sad and figure it out. <laughs> but I knew that. I knew myself well enough to know I'm going to need two days to be sunk, to sink in it but I will make an action. I'm just going to let myself sink for a little bit because it was kind of a big deal. I was so looking forward to going to Costa Rica. And I was like, well, now what do I do? I, what are my options? Like, I don't have anywhere to live. Like, what, what should I do? You didn't even have clothes because you had all of your winter stuff. You only had a little suitcase with tropical clothes and you were like, and I'm in Seattle, what do I do? And yes, you took those two days you went down with all the emotions, all the feelings. And then you said, okay, I guess that I'm ready to go to Austin. And then you moved to Austin. Luckily, you, we didn't know this, but that was how the stars aligned. You needed to move there at that time to find the most amazing apartment on top of your best friend. I, on my part, I was like, I get the message as I'm about to get on a plane because Jules is in Seattle, I'm in LA. And she's like, yeah, I'm not coming. Um, I don't know what you're going to do. And I'm there looking at my boyfriend going, oh my God, I'm going to Costa Rica by myself. Um, am I doing this? Am I not? And same thing. I had about a minute to decide. I was like, yes, I'm going to Costa Rica. It was a magical experience. Of course, I miss Jules. But it was kind of like the universe had this rerouting that we had to go through. And it would have been such a wasted exercise, <laughs> wasted energy to fight it and to get upset about it. We had a limited amount of time to get upset about it and then move on to, to the next chapter. Which brings me to the question that I ask all my guests. And I'm super excited because I know that you, Jules, have all the projects in the world. And I know that you, you work with chapters in your life as we've just heard. So I wanna ask you, where do you see your next great chapter? In business or in life? Oh, <laughs> I have all the answers. All of I it. I know exactly what's happening. I've already like manifested it. Um, yeah, I have such a strong feeling. It's so strong. I know exactly like what I, it's so weird. Ever since I've become intuitive, I have like very clear feelings, like what this person feels like, looks like, not looks like, but feels like more. And um, I know I'm ready to like be in a, like to find my husband to find like that person I should have you know my husband was my husband but I never really saw him that way so I don't feel like I was really married I didn't get that marriage feeling I just built a business with the partner um so I'm excited to find my person I have this keep feeling that he's coming in the summer in August I'm putting that out there but it keeps happening either we're gonna meet now and we're gonna be friends for a while before we like realize this is it I kind of would prefer that anyways, but I think that this is someone that is, I'm going to meet in the summer. Um, I know he's in Austin. I had this massive, when I was doing um, the two days in Seattle, there was just an experience that made me just kept shouting. He's in Austin. He's in Austin. He's in Austin. It even said, I was like, you're going to have a baby. Your baby's going to be Luna. Like I was just having all these feelings and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so strong. And I believe it. So I believe that my person, my family is going to come into my life by this year, at the end of the year, somewhere in this August, maybe forward. If it doesn't, it's okay. Maybe he's going to be a friend. Who knows? It's I'm open. And um, my business, I'm super excited. I, the business has finally gotten the clarity it needs. So I do visual content producing for for female entrepreneurs, I've really niched down. I really believe in the female space. I think we need more and I want to empower that. So I have 
I know that this year and soon I'll be working with five Austin clients that I'll be doing their visual content every single month and helping them just elevate up, up, up on all their visuals. And then I'm also launching um, the remote version, which is the 90 day visual content producer. So basically I do the same, but I do it by quarters. And so I'm your content producer remotely by quarters. And then you can hire me to fly out and produce it for you, or you can do it yourself. But those are like, that business is so clear to me. Like that's my offers. And I'm like, wow, that feels really good because you know, I was not clear on what I was going to offer or what I was doing for work. I was like, I just like taking pictures and making videos and I don't charge anybody anything. Um, And now I'm like, no, this is what I'm really good at. And I have a gift to seeing people and giving people visuals. So and I'm yeah. going to put uh, the links below for her website and her Instagram at Miss Juliana J. Please go there, check out her videos. She has such a talent, especially for female entrepreneurs. I think that you communicate really well, our emotion, our message. Go to my Instagram as well at Divorce for Love and see every single video that is out there. It's created by Jules. And if you're in Austin, this is your sign. Call Jules right now. If you're anywhere, she works remotely as well. And it will really make you make you move your business forward, but also your personality. Like we've, I mean, you and I have worked together in so many blogs while making video, you, you will not believe it. So definitely call Jules. And then my last question, where do you see the world? Next great chapter. Mm, wow. <laughs> hmm. Okay, honestly, I don't see it getting better. I don't know when it's gonna, it's gonna be a, a while. I, I kind of see it going down. Um, I feel like it's starting to spiral and I think we're losing, losing, losing more and more sense of freedom and control. And we're just kind of being pushed like a bunch of masses of people and they're just telling us what to do. And I think that it's kind of scary. So I'm already projecting like possibly not living in America at some point. So. I already envision like maybe I'll be in a different country where I can be really low key and have my little business, have my little family and my husband. And we're just kind of living off the grid. That feels very beautiful for me because I feel more and more as I've gotten older, more and more as this world is starting to what we're going through, I want to be more and more away. So um, yeah, I don't see it getting better at all. We, we are mid-January as we're recording this, mid-January 2021. And I've been so surprised by seeing people on Instagram going like, oh my gosh, I thought that 2021 was going to be so wonderful. And yet it's such a disaster. And I'm like, really? You thought that there was going to be some sort of massive change because we chronologically changed the year? Like we have so much that we need to go through. I do think that eventually, as always, as your life, my life, a lot of people's lives proves there is always light at the end of the tunnel. But I think that we are also in a dark tunnel and it's gonna be dark for a while. So once again, just gather your team around you, your support sisters, queens, whatever you need, men, uh, make sure that emotionally you're strong enough uh, just to weather the storm. And then we'll we'll get to the other side. Is it gonna be 2021? Is it gonna be 2031? Who knows? But I like your plan. Let's move to Costa Rica and have our little off group my little family and what Yes, <laughs> a little community. And I want to just like, be, I just want to be simple. I'm a very simple person. And I just want that simplicity of life that I wake up and I feel alive. And I feel like I'm in nature in some way. And 
my plan of being in Austin, it's a 15 month plan because I'm forcing myself in the best way to focus on a business, to have the accountability coach live under me. She literally lives below me to have a personal trainer, to get healthy. Um, I did the spiritual work. I'm still doing the spiritual work so that I can go there and feel really good and like really be there and present with it. So it's going to happen. Mamacita. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope that everybody enjoyed it. And Jules, do you have any last minute negative wisdom? Um, be present and then let go of the expectations of anything. I really have to do that, especially as I date. I've really done that. Like I actually am, I'm like, I will tell the person I am present and I'm here with you. I have no expectations as long as we're just here. And they're always like, whoa what and I'm like like where'd you come from I'm like it's called uh, being present I don't know <laughs> be present <laughs> I wasn't present for the re for most of my life I was always looking forward and I didn't actually enjoy a lot of things and I feel like I've really enjoyed a lot of things recently mm, I love it well thank you so much for all your wisdom and sharing your story and for everybody be please go down to the description and check all the links go and find Jules Thank you so much, darling, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I just love hearing from you. You can also follow my journey on my Instagram account at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes. See you next week.